We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in. It's Mile High Huddle. It's Chad Jensen. It's Scott Kennedy. You were probably expecting Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, but hey, it's the holiday season, Scott. People have plans. Things are hopping. Things are happening. And who would we be to step in between Nick, Carl, and whatever they've got going on? But I'm happy to always show up and talk shop with you, bro. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm going to do my best to try and fill Carl's seat over here on this side. I'm not near man enough to pull off that beard of his, though. This is like three days for me, and it's yeah. just smooth like a baby's bottom. So he's he's got full man beard. I'm I'm uh, I'm just trying to just trying to hold down the fort for a few days here. It is luscious, and it's even more luscious, Carl Dummler's beard, in person. <laughs> Trust on that. Um, but, yeah, we wish those guys happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and what they're doing. What we're doing tonight, though, is we're breaking down the very latest news and rumors around your Denver Broncos. And we're sitting here, Scott, in between a relatively meaningless Week 15 win over the Arizona Cardinals and a coming relatively meaningless Christmas Day nationally televised game, though, about with the LA Rams. First things first, though, the real news of the day, I think, Scott, is the Broncos promoted Jarrett Guarantano mm -hmm. to the 53 man roster. He's a guy they signed a couple weeks ago on the practice squad uh, when Russ got hurt. Was it right after Russ got hurt? Yeah. And uh, anyway, today, active promoted him, signed him. Not only did they sign him to the active roster, Scott, but according to Mike Cliss of Nine News, gave him a two year deal with a little bit of money guaranteed. So, as a veteran in the football business, Scott, what does it mean? Tell the tell the Broncos fans. I don't know what it means. How about that for an answer? What it means to me is they're not 100% sure on on uh, who's your quarterback? On Russell Brett Wilson. Rippen. Oh, I think it was Brett Rippen. On, on Russell Wilson being 100% healthy and playing him full-time because there's no reason you need to carry three quarterbacks on a game-day roster. They did something similar to this last year with Brett Rippon where I think it was the Texans came sniffing around and they're like, no, we don't want to lose him off the practice squad. Let's yep. sign him when he was a third guy and wasn't ever going to play. Yep. So why would you do this with three games left unless there was a chance 
he could play. Now, I got to see Jarrett Guarantano. I lived up in New Jersey and worked out in New York for two, two years. And Jarrett played in New Jersey while I was up there. He went to a one of the big football factories up there. And uh, we did a scout spotlight on him while I was there. That's kind of cool. If you don't mind me showing, yeah, it let's quickly. show. Let's. I think people would love to see this. They don't yeah, know. You can learn about a little him. something about Jarrett when he was, uh, you know, 16, 17 years old and a junior in high school. Hold on one second. Your brand go. new Jared Garantano. I'm the quarterback for Bergen Catholic. I think that my best throws are comebacks and really anything over 20 yards. Of course, they're short and intermediate passes, but I think I really can show my skill level off with deeper passes and harder throws. People compare me to Colin Kaepernick just because of my stature, the way I throw on the run and that type of stuff. So I really hope I can turn into a Cam Newton. I love everybody screaming and I love everybody depending on me just as a job for a quarterback. I started playing football at eight years old just because my dad was a, I mean, he played very long, he played for the Chargers, and as soon as growing up, that was really the only thing I knew. I hope, I pray that uh, I'm an NFL football player after college, and I hope I have a great college career, and even after football, I want to help um, special needs kids. So that's Jarrett. I lived on the Oradell Reservoir, so not too far from me since he was from Oradell. And uh, really good kid. Played at Tennessee for a little bit, and I think he went over to Washington State. Made it to the NFL. Um, surprised me a little bit, Chad, because he's not like a pure thrower. You know, some nice throws on that highlight, but he wasn't a real pure thrower. Mm. Um, but a good leader, good kid. Um, you know, talking about, you know, what what his role is. You know, and Jay comes in, he says, this guy is, is an insurance policy. You can keep insurance policies on the practice squad. Yep. That's what's a little interesting to me, unless someone was sniffing around trying to sign him, but he was available. So, um, you know, it it makes me think maybe he's the number two now. Maybe he's a guy that comes in and plays if uh, if if Russell Wilson goes out. It's there's hmm. it, it to me, it raises more questions than answers. It Jack. really does because they were saying positive things about Brett Rippon, who right. let's face it. Brett Rippon is responsible at part anyway as a starter for one quarter of this team's victories in 2022. And then you go and you promote a guy. It would be really weird to do that in the spirit of, hey, we're demoting you down to third string now, Brett, on the heels of a win, especially after Nathaniel Hackett confirmed that he expects Russell Wilson to play on Christmas Day. You're right. It's more he didn't say expect. He said he will play. Yes. He yes. will play. And that was he said that after the game. No, Russ, Russ will play next week. Yeah. Russell's in next week. Russell is playing next week. That was put to bed early. Makes me wonder if someone came sniffing around Guarantano on the practice squad because, right. as you mentioned, with the modern-day rules as it relates to the practice squad and, and being able to use two game-day elevations before you have – well, two before you can uh, have to worry about exposing them to waivers, right? And it's then three. that third time – can, they, can, they can flex them three times. After the third one, you have to make a decision. See, I thought it was two. Did that well, change? We might year? be saying the same thing. So yeah, after yeah. you flex them three times, you have to make a decision. So you're, way, what you you're can, saying is correct. You get two you free ones them. and then a third one where you flex them and then you have a decision to make. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird, uh, but it's kind of a whatever situation as far as how it impacts the ultimate destiny, Scott, of this season because barring another unforeseen injury, and it's really bizarre because Russell Wilson – if nothing else in his career before Denver, was he was healthy. The consistency in terms of his availability last season with the finger was really the only time he missed uh, uh, time for 
due to the injury bug. And then this time around, you know, what is this? We're on injury number three. So we probably shouldn't rule it out as a possibility, mm-hmm. Scott, that, that Russ could miss more time this season. But I doubt it. I doubt it. I uh, just want to say hi to Patrick real quick because we say so- hello to some folks in the chat. Patrick, appreciate you being on tonight. This afternoon for you, one of our Hawaii guests. And it's uh, we have a, a big time zone, but we're near and dear to each other's heart. Hope you're having a good Christmas and appreciate everything you do for the show. Yeah, sure. it, 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 it's, it is interesting to me. And, you know, to get a two-year deal, I mean, it, it's, it can't be anything that would be prohibitive to making a making a three-week deal. <laughs> yeah. Cut him, it's like, oh, he's got a $500,000 dead cap hit. So what? You know, it's, but, you know, good for him. You know, it's it, when you're coming, bouncing around practice squads, getting a signing bonus and a game day check, even as a veteran, you know, even, even as a minimum NFL player is really good money when you've learned to live on practice squad money for the cup for a couple of years. And even that practice squad living, it ain't a bad one, you know, real no, quick. It's, it's a, it's a good living. It's just, you go up a few tax brackets when you, when you are at, even as a minimum salaried player. Mm-hmm. It's five times, basically. This, uh, but real quick, guys, we did get some uh, really heartbreaking bummer news. Today it was uh, clued in. Broncos country was clued in via Orlando Franklin, former uh, Broncos second-round pick that started on that O-line that lost Super Bowl forty-eight. He was gone by the time Denver won it all in 2015, and also Derek Wolf confirmed it. Um, Ronnie Hillman, who was a big-time contributor to Denver's 2015 uh, World Championship as actually the starting running back for most of that season under Gary Kubiak, the leading rusher of the Denver Broncos that season. Uh, By the time you got through the playoffs, it was on to C.J. Anderson, and C.J. was more of the focal guy in the offense. But Ronnie Hillman, former third-round pick of the team, I want to say, in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't pulled up his resume in a minute, but he's, he's dealing with liver cancer. And then according to the reports from his former teammates, Scott, he uh, he's in hospice care because his immune system is weak enough that he got pneumonia. He's in a really tough situation. His, his friends are asking for prayer. So that's what Aki Dragon's talking about here in re- uh, regards to Ronnie Hillman. And it's such a tragedy because he's so young. He's so young. Uh, I mean, in the scheme of the NFL, yeah, he'd be, uh, you know, over the hill running back in the scheme of life. This is a young man, and it's just such a bummer. Makes you realize how precious life really is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, tough, tough time of season. Um, you know, tough time of year for this. I mean, there's never any good time to happen, but, you know, you'd like this holidays to be not remembered for something like this should he not make it out of hospice. Hopefully he yeah. will and see the new year. Uh, so prayers for him, as Rodney says, as everybody says. Uh, there's a lot of chatter in here because I know he means a lot to Broncos country. Yeah, and real quick, just as a uh, little bit of a tribute to Ronnie Hillman, I want to refresh myself. So again, third round pick, 2012. So that was he was a rookie, Peyton's first year in Denver. And then after Super Bowl 50, the Broncos let him hit the bricks. He went and played with Minnesota for a year. Well, shared the 2016 season, did he, on the Vikings and Chargers roster, and then spent a little bit of 2017 on Dallas's practice squad before he kind of washed out of the league. But as a Denver Bronco, uh, this dude had some contributions, and he got that Super Bowl ring. Like, he earned – he contributed in a big way, maybe not in the game itself so much, although he played, he got reps. Uh, I think it is StreamYards, uh, Scott, because I'm seeing, I'm seeing where things on my end and my my connection is bullet. Yeah, so we might apologies, be everybody. We're we're having some connections to StreamYard problem that is not on our end. It's a it's a streaming thing for us. So hopefully it'll clear up. It's cleared up a little bit on my side of things, and now it's gone over to Chad's side of things. So hopefully yeah. we're, we're coming through loud and clear for all of you. If you think that we're Carl and Nick, then we're really coming through badly because we must get a lot of distortion on there. But, Scott, real quick, that 2015 year, just to further illustrate Ronnie Hillman's impact in the Gary Kubiak zone scheme, which he took to like a duck to water, led the team 863 rush yards, seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns my dude had in 2015. So career, he scored 12 as a Bronco. So prayers up for, for Ronnie Hillman. Absolutely. Um, getting back into the the other parts of the chat as we turn back towards football, Clayton got the got the party started on Facebook with some stars. He says, "I tell you, it was great to see a running game <clears throat> that opens a ton on our playbook." You know, when I saw Brett Rippon roll out, there was nowhere near him. <laughs> he was doing naked bootlegs, and he had all day long. Yeah. Like, wow, what a concept! You get some play out. You get some. You get some good running and some play action. All of a sudden, things start opening up. So Clayton, I agree. It was great to see that. Uh, yep. Phil McLaughlin coming in as well. He says, "Evening, Chad and Deacon Scott. Prayers for Hillman. Uh, go Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. Throwing down some stars Thank to you, make bud. sure that that uh, you know we're like I said. We he says we keep the lights on. And I say it keeps my head nice and shiny, and they work together on that. So thank you very much, Phil. 
Yeah, brother, you're so consistent. We love you. Helping us keep the lights on, my friend. Today, you know, not a very busy day, news day around Broncos HQ, because after all, Tuesday is uh, a day off for the Denver Broncos. But Scott, as the team reconvenes to uh, start preparations for the Rams officially tomorrow, what's your outlook for Russell Wilson in this game? Well, I tell you what, it would have been interesting to see him against that Cardinals. Uh, Michaela's in here. She said, am I the only one annoyed that people are thinking that Brett Rippon is some amazing quarterback that should start? <laughs> I don't think you're the only one that that pe- that, that, that would annoy. Uh, we're not saying that. In fact, you know, I was listening to some of it yesterday. I don't think anybody here is saying that the Cardinals are horrendous. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they have packed it up and gone home. Bottom they five waved their best corner. And then had their next three corners inactive for that game. So they're going against corners five, six, seven, and eight in that game against a team that has packed it up and gone home against quarterbacks two and three out there. This was a bad team. And the Broncos aren't that bad. We've talked about that this team is closer than you think. It's just a, it's key pieces, but it's a couple of pieces away. Uh, and they've got a really good defense. They should win this game. And they did. Um, going against the Rams... How bad do they want it? And I'll tell you what, this becomes a real interesting game for draft position. That's one of the things you're looking at. Who's watching this game? You're talking, the winner of this game gets to five wins, which is going to put the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Colts all in contention to jump up above the winner of this game. So this game has some pretty serious implications in the top 10. That's I just mentioned six teams, six out of thirty-two. Yeah. We're talking a sixth of the league has a real, a real keen eye on this game com- coming on right now, dude. It's wild. the The highest the Broncos have ever drafted in the history of the franchise was twenty eleven at number two overall, grabbing uh, Von Miller, and that was Scott uh, after a four and twelve season. That was the final, uh, the final Josh McDaniels. Uh, season of which he missed whatever it was the last three or four games. Eric Studisville was the interim. Right now, Broncos are sitting. If the draft was tomorrow, they that pick that now belongs to Seattle, number three, and then the Rams right behind them at number four. How do you explain what's going on in L.A., Scott? Is it just the the injury? Is it just the Super Bowl hangover? The injury meaning to Stafford? Is it the? But that happened week thirteen. What was they what's playing going that on? good when Stafford was healthy? So you know, part of it is you go all in and you win it, it's tough to get back up again. It really is. This was a team that was built for the short term. It wasn't built for the long term. They went in with a bunch of veterans. They went in, signed some high-dollar older free agents. We want to win this thing now. And it's always a philosophical question for me, Chad. You know, Would you rather win it now and then suck for the next five years or be competitive uh, You know, and be in the 11-5 and five range and never win it? Right. You know, it's a, it's a good question for me because – it, 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 frankly, y'all are experiencing that a little bit right now. You want it, but is it worth is is that worth it to go and and sell out like that in order to get a Super Bowl for a team that's never won one? It probably is. You know, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, Cleveland Browns, Detroit Lions, man, you'd give up ten years because hell, you've given up ten years before. You know what that feels like. So to go in and get one of those wins would probably be worth it for the Patriots. Packers, Cowboys, teams that are used to being in there a lot, Broncos, it might not be worth it. But this team sold out. That that that's part of it. That was a it was a win now, F them picks, go right. get it right now type of thing. 
we got it. Now we're just cruising. Now we're now we're partying. Now we're now we're we're good. We want it. Mission yeah. accomplished. What do you uh, what do you think of these rumors that uh, Sean McVay might actually wash out in L.A. and get into broadcasting? Maybe does he seem like he's had enough of coaching to you? That wild, passionate, like out of his mind about the X's and O's, and especially a guy who's this far away from having been at the top of the mountain. Is he just sick of L.A.? What what the heck is a, a, up a with grind. those rumors? I mean, it's a, it's something you you truly have to love. It's you know eighty hours a week, and the it's it's a lot of pressure. It's like, hey, I'm I'm rich, I'm young, I'm rich. I've won the Super Bowl. I can go make similar amount of money, if not more, to be honest with you, on the media side and work a tenth amount of the time. I was shocked. In fact, I said you know over and over again, and it took a pretty silly deal. John Gruden, John Gruden, John Gruden. I'm like, John Gruden makes more money on Monday Night Football than, than he would as a coach. Then he got a 10-year, what, $100 million deal and yeah. all, all of these other things. They had to truly overpay for something like that. Last year, I wasn't buying it. Like, McVay's not going anywhere. This is some sort of contract discussion going on. And, but now, you know, there's enough smoke in there that – he may want to do some other things and not put in a hundred hours where he's already got his Super Bowl ring and his legacy is pretty well set. And he could always come back to the league whenever. Yeah. Um, God, he's 15, again, guys, 20 years younger than I am, for God's sakes. I covered the kid in high school. <laughs> wide receiver, right? Little wide he was, receiver. He was an option quarterback. Option uh, state quarterback. champion. He was a really, really good uh, option quarterback from Marist. So. Did he play wide receiver in college he was i i wasn't sure i think he did because he was going to be a wide receiver or defensive back just yeah. uh but he went to uh miami of ohio and I, yeah. I met the guy that was recruiting him when i was because they were playing in the playoffs and i went went and watched him play southwest to cab who had a couple guys and his highlights from that game are on my youtube channel and they've been shown worldwide when they were making the when they were making the the Super Bowl run. I got lots of calls from all over. Hey, can we use your video? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. No problem. Link in the description, guys. Scott has a lot of one thing that maybe a lot of Broncos fans might not know about Scott is Scott got into this business, sports media, on the recruiting side of things back in the day. What was it? Late nineties, right? Oh, Maybe late yeah, 90s. my first class that I started covering was probably nineteen ninety-eight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, um, so recruiting, pre YouTube, pre Google, <laughs> all that stuff, and then kind of rose through the ranks of being a recruiting uh, reporter guy to being more of a publisher, then to becoming more of like a network manager kind of guy. And uh, so Scott has seen it, this business that we call sports media, and especially football, from preps to the pros, from every angle. Let's grab this real quick from James. Uh, good to see you, big dog. Hope you've been well. We love you. He says, is all the crap talking about Russ too much? I understand he's better than he's playing. That's my point. Scott, some of it has gotten a little mean-spirited at times this season, but unfortunately, you uh, you invite that when you get $245 million guaranteed, or not guaranteed, contract, and you uh, crap the bed 
at the level that Russ did. Again, guys, we're not just talking about Russ getting a contract like that after a team mortgaged the short-term future to acquire him and then going out and just kind of having a subpar, not, you know, not quite meeting the standard. You're eight and nine, you're nine and eight, whatever. This is a dude that's presiding over the third worst team in football right now. That's and why a, it's and, been so hard. And a very public divorce with your ex. Yes. You know, that that's part of it too. You know, if this was he was just getting he signed a new contract with Seattle and 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 they were three and four and ten, not that it wouldn't be the same thing. People wouldn't be paying attention about uh, as much about it, and there wouldn't be as many, you know opposing fans out there that are giving heck now you got an entire seattle nation on the on the internet that are enjoying a little schadenfreude um so that's part of it um there's there's some other stuff behind it but james i agree with you 100 he is better he's better than he's playing he's also not playing as bad as the perception is um so not only you saying he's better than he's been playing he is it's also not quite as it's not quite as bad as the piling on that you might think. You might think this guy is the, the is is Josh Rosen's rookie season. You know, it's it, he's had some good games. He's had some good moments. There's plenty of blame to go around. We've talked about it. What percentage of blame do you put in different places? And Russell Wilson's mm. name's on that list without a doubt. What percentage and what slice of the pie you attribute to Russ is you know to personal preference you know, injuries, uh, offensive line, uh, ownership and administration, uh, and coaching, all those things play a factor. Uh, it's not just Russell Wilson with, with this team right now, for sure. Yeah. And that's, uh, one of the big reasons we talk a lot about it on our pod that I'm still very optimistic about the future with Russ. I think, you know, it's a, it was a hard transition year for him for a lot of reasons, but it just, hasn't turned out to be the right coaching fit i think for for us scott we don't often get to ask you this on the on the evening shows people kind of know how we feel about this topic first of all how do you feel about nathaniel hackett should he be fired and do you have someone in mind to succeed him that would be the right fit or a good fit with russ i think that the decision should have already been made by now um, you know, if you're into week 14, week 15, and you're talking about can this game against the four and 10 Rams and this skeleton crew of the Arizona Cardinals, and then going in and playing against Kansas City, who may or may not be playing anything, can he save his job? Man, last year I said Vic Fangio that 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 talk last year annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, Vic Fangio has been fired since week five. That that's <laughs> I mean, that's obvious. This one I'm not so sure about, but I feel like the decision basically should already have been made unless, you know, something really awful happens. You know, there's a brawl or something. Then you yeah. might say, okay, we were keeping him and now we're not. But if you were had your mind made up to fire him, winning these next three games and finishing, what, six and 11, would it be? Mm-hmm. Or, yep. or seven, seven and 10? I can't do the 16 games. Uh, seven, seven, seven and 10, seven and 10. Yeah, seven and 10. We said at the beginning of the season the the benchmark was basically nine. Anything yeah. under nine, when you're talking about Super Bowl or bust, when now this is our window, you're in trouble, man. You're in yeah. trouble, and you've looked bad doing it. Yeah, you've had your offensive play calling stripped from you. You're basically 
the PR mouthpiece because you're the head coach where you come out and address the media and say, day by day, uh, <laughs> we're taking it. We're, we're being trying to be smart with him uh, day by day. Give a lot of credit to that guy. He's worked really hard doing all the right things. It's, it's, it's kind of pathetic at this point, and I feel bad for him. But, you know, he's going to get paid plenty of money, so I don't feel oh, too yeah. bad for him. He'll, Phil he'll McLaughlin have, coming uh... in with big stars. He says, after watching last night's game, seems like we should be able to run against the Rams, and our D should get some sacks. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, my friend. Yeah, dude. Uh, the Rams, for what it's worth, defensively, rushing defense, they're top uh, four. They're the fourth-ranked rushing defense. So for whatever that's worth, I don't think they'll, it'll be easy-peasy to establish to, to just get out. If the Broncos play, like, if you watch that, I watch them all because they, especially because they've been so few and far between. But if you watch Hackett's, victory speech uh from sunday against the cardinals he emphasized hey man if we could just play in the second half like we did in the second half we could play that all four quarters man we'd be unstoppable so if they got some momentum off of that i'm not counting on it but maybe but russell wilson is the equalizer here the guy that could turn this into a um a route for the denver broncos really open things up it'll be curious to see but that's the one calling card scott for what it's worth of this Rams defense is their red zone. They're the so the Broncos have the number one red zone defense. Rams have the number two, and then they stop the run. And we know we know all about uh, the Broncos' struggles in the red zone. Uh, some of that came, um, you know, changed a little bit when you're able to run the ball. You become really dangerous in the red zone. If you can run the ball in the red zone, you're unstoppable. Yep. Um, you know, and if you can get some balance on there, and you know, if I'm coaching for my job or even not coaching for my job at this point, man, I'm calling the game and I'm saying you're sticking to it. Or I'm going to pull your ass out of the game. You know? So if, if there's the power struggle that I've heard that we've been talking about and there's enough smoke around it, it just, it sounds so implausible that, Oh, Russ is calling plays and he's picking the offensive line and doing all this. It's like, well, okay, Nathaniel Hackett, you're fired. George Payton, mm -hmm. you might be fired too if this is really happening under your watch. You know, you you can't have the quarterback running the entire the show. That's why you have coaches. So, I want to see Russell Wilson play a similar game plan that Brett Rippon had and executed because he is a better thrower. Yeah. And you should be more successful and you're going to need to be better to beat the Rams than you were in order to beat the Cardinals, who, like I said, I think the Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL right now. And a third-string quarterback, right? It, they ended up defaulting to their third-string queue when McCoy had to exit. Yeah, you went from McCoy, who's a, a journeyman, not great quarterback, um, down to, uh, God, I already forgot his name. I was listening to a kid from Penn State, Trace McSorley. Yeah, Trace. You know, I mean, yeah. Tim Tebow Light. Yeah, I, at 9-3, I was worried. I really was. I was like, this one might be over. <laughs> but then the running game got going. Latavius Murray played great. The the offensive line, when Wattenberg shifted over to right guard, he started mm -hmm. playing serviceably. Yeah. Um, Glasgow was solid at center in the run blocking. And you know who's always solid for us coming in hot pink? Oh, yeah. Fuchsia is Legend. Naj. Naj Altoff coming mm -hmm. in. He says, hey, brothers, happy holidays to you as well, my friend. Hoping for a Bronco win and seeing continued progress from Russ and Judy as well as any of the offensive linemen can show they deserve to stay. It will be awesome if Sutton can go and play in the slot and the offense improves. Yeah, baby. Um, Judy has been on a tear. You know, this is, what is it, two weeks in a row that he's been 
And of course, it's no coincidence that it occurs the two games Cortland Sutton misses. But yeah, what do the Broncos do? Because it's pretty obvious. And here's one of the tragedies here, Scott, is we know Sutton's making money, right? He got that extension last year. He hasn't been consistent this season. He really fell off in the middle quarter of this season, the second and third quarters of this season. Sutton was like, for the most part, as far as you know, impacting the game in the box score, he was basically non-existent. And then all of a sudden, you turn the page because he's out for a couple games. You see Jerry Judy step into the X slot, and he's producing. He's helping keep the offense, uh, help helping to keep the offense on the field. And now you're getting your number one paid veteran, former Pro Bowl wide receiver back, who's the X. What do you do, Scott? Because one thing we also know about Sutton is from a mindset perspective, he's kind of, I'm the cock of the walk. That's what happened when uh, he and Emmanuel Sanders butted heads summer of 2019. So it is kind of a rock and a hard place. But at the end of the day, Scott, it's what have you done for me lately? And it's Jerry Judy who's providing a little return. That would be a good problem to have. Now, the Jerry Judy talk is, I think, a little premature. Um, and some of it might have to be with your downfield passing game, which is still fairly non-existent. But you're talking about eight and nine yard average for reception for Jerry Judy. He's getting targeted a lot because the opportunity is there because he's all by himself. You know, it, it, when you're talking about the other options out there for the wide receiver, he is option one, two, and three right now and he's averaging nine yards a catch somewhere in that neighborhood it's really really low so like i said i'd like to see russell wilson execute that same game plan and maybe he's able to stretch the field a little bit more and and be a little bit more accurate downfield maybe get something else but when i see eight for 80 so what man <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm happy for jerry he's improving he's contributing but that's not top 15 pick type of right you know it's still okay and i'm not putting that on him don't get me wrong i'm just not ready to say okay jerry judy has become the guy we always thought he would i don't think he can under this offense right now there's not enough time to throw the ball downfield and the big plays etc cetera, etc cetera. he's doing well and he's stepping up and he's taking advantage of the process of, of the, the opportunities that's in front of him now what do you do with Cortland? you switch him out man you, you move him around all the time and if you Cortland gotta do doesn't it. like that he can sit his ass down. Yeah. You know, I mean, when yep. you're four and nine, I still can't do the math. Four and 10, four and 10. When you're four and 10, you don't get to walk around like you own the place. You don't get to puff your chest out and say, we're doing it this way. No, you're not. You're going to do it how I tell you you're doing it, or you're yep. going to sit. Especially when the guy who uh, stepped in for you is producing. And I get it. I'm with you like eight for 80. Seven for seventy something, whatever it was for Judy, you know, in a, on its own, isolated, you're not really writing home about that, especially when you don't attach it to a touchdown. But what makes it conspicuous is the utter lack of uh, production in the, at least the preceding quarter of the season from Cortland Sutton. That's what makes it a decision now for the coaches is where they go, well, hey, we're finally getting production out of the X. We got to move things around, and Sutton, go figure out how to win from the other slots. You know, not maybe sometimes the literal slot, but go go make life heck on the number two uh, corner from the Z and go do your thing. It's and not maybe, the end of the world. Chad, maybe it's an ego thing, you know, for Sutton, because, you know, you you drop guys in the slot. You hear guys say, I don't want to be a nickel corner. Well, why not? You're, you're good yeah. at it. You drop guys in the slot when you try and get them started. It's easier to catch 
balls from the slot. It's, it's, it's a quicker pass. You don't need as much separation. Um, that's where you put guys when you're trying to get them. It's just like running. We're going to run an isolation. We're going to try and get our shooter a, a, an easy look. Uh, get him a layup. Get him an easy look to, to get him started up. Get him in the slot. Get him two, three catches and then move him around and get him thinking, okay, where's this guy? And all of a sudden, Jerry Judy's there. Oh, wait. Now we're worrying about this guy, and here comes Latavius Murray right up the chute. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I wasn't counting on that. That hurt. Comes 230-plus pounds of this mean running back running people over. So, man, that was the whole idea of the offense when we got started was having these weapons and the interchange and, and never yes. really knowing who you could focus on because it could any one of these guys could be the guy on any given day. It made it a fantasy yep. nightmare. This team's been a fantasy football nightmare, but for the wrong reasons. Yep. James, number two tonight, top rope super chat. Thank you, bro. He says, you make a great point financially, but come on, guys. We know he's good, especially with the run game, and that's what I believe we should focus on while maintaining that defense. You might regret what you say about Russ next year. Well, one thing to be clear real quick, James, and then, Scott, I'm going to serve this over to you. I have not said anything about Russell Wilson that is absolute. In fact, it's one of my rules in life. I avoid using absolutes, not just in the in this business and what I do for a living, in sports media, but generally speaking, I never say to my wife, you, and I just used an absolute to explain an absolute. You catch that. <laughs> you never do this. You never do that. You know, I avoid that stuff because it's, it's not good in the case of Russell Wilson. Okay. I think all this man has is missing is the right coaching fit. Um, and a little more luck around him from the injury bug. I don't want to make that the one, uh, excuse that ultimately saves Nathaniel Hackett. I'm worried that it might, because the Broncos, Scott are freaking, what is it, over $60 million currently on IR, and this was the 24th guy that they put on IR, some of whom, though, have come back. So, Russell Wilson, get him the right coach. He could be something next year. No, the, the only thing we mentioned financially when we talked about why is the, the, the flack he gets from third parties in a, higher than what you might think it is. Part of it's a right. big contract. Part of it's a messy divorce. Yeah. Uh, part of it's a, a national televised quarterback who's in commercials and doing all this stuff. And let's ride. People like to see, you know, people fail and they're piling on. We didn't say anything about like his future play. If, if I'm going to talk financials, he's going to get a chance because he's going to be a Denver Bronco next year. He'll, he'll be that you're, you're made, married to him for at least one more year. And it's probably two because of the financials can't say the same thing for the coaches. Cause there's no salary cap on those. You can, you can fire them and just dip into the kitty and pay another one and pay two or three at a time. Um, so, you know, we, we didn't actually say anything about what we think of Russell Wilson next year. And, and uh, like I said, I'd like to see Russell Wilson execute a game plan similar to what we saw Brett Rippon do knowing that he was a limited passer and then have a plus passer in there doing the same things with those naked bootlegs where they're open and getting some shots downfield and taking Jerry Judy from eight catches and 80 yards to eight catches and 140 yards. Can you imagine? I mean, that's what it was supposed to look like when uh, this this thing was originally put to the test on the gridiron to open the season. Miguel, bro, you're a prince. We love you. He says the past two weeks, the offense still didn't put a complete game together. Hackett is out. Yeah, they've they haven't really put a complete game together all season long. Very Drew Lockean in that sense, Scott, where you might get one or two quarters of production and like a burst, 
but you can't really measure it four quarters. It's one of the reasons Drew's now, you know, wearing a Seahawks jersey, why he became expendable is you'd get these flashes. And in the league, that's not enough. You know, not to say that you can't ever take a step back. That's part of football. But like every single game for most of this season, Scott, you would get a little production out of Russ in the fourth quarter. And then it was just a crap show. He started turning that around a little bit. It was good to see him help put 28 points on the board against the Chiefs. And then Rippon, you know, thanks to the Broncos defense getting some just take. They were just feasting as far as the takeaways go last week in the second half, which was a big reason. The offense was able to to roll, get in rhythm, put those points on the board. But, yeah, let's see him put four quarters together, Miguel. I feel you uh, before we start saying Hackett has saved his his gig. Yeah, I, like I said, if if you if he was if he was gone, you know, if, let's say ownership had already made a decision a week ago, there shouldn't be anything that positively that says, okay, he needs to be back over these next four games. Like I said, something negative could happen. Okay, we were bringing him back. Everything's good. All of a sudden, there's some scandal that comes out. Okay, that's a game changer. That's that's not something that we're talking about. Um, that's unpredictable. But again. You know, like I said last year, you know, we're in week 17 and the Broncos season is toast. Can Vic Fangio save his job with a win <laughs> against the Kansas City Chiefs? Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, we're, we're talking about $50 million coach or so contract and we're going to do it on a, a, a single game? Yeah. If that If that's the question, you already know the answer. Savage Boy Kev, we love you, appreciate you always being with us. We try to get at least one Twitch per night and why not you? My friend, he says, do you guys feel like it's the play calling holding the offense back or Russ picking his own plays because Rippon had a decent game without having to audible? I think, Scott, there is something to be said. I want I'd rather I'd want you to kind of elucidate on this, but too many cooks ruin the broth. And you had a co-authored offense out of the gates between Russ and Hackett, you know, mainly Hackett's offense. And then Russ added his fingerprints to it or whatever. And then when he gets sat down. Hackett, all of a sudden Clint Kubiak comes in. It's hard to find consistency. What's your answer for Savage Boy? I I think that Brett Rippon being a five-yard per attempt quarterback and being throwing nice short passes, you know, 21 completions for 200 yards on 26 attempts, efficient against the worst team in the NFL, you know, who's playing for nothing. Uh, Brett Rippon, you know, God bless him, is not a long-term NFL quarterback. It's it's not he's not a he's not a, a long-term starter. I just I don't believe that. Maybe he proves me wrong one day. Good luck. Would would be happy to be wrong. He seems like a great dude. Uh, teammates like him. Gives good pref, press conference, but a nice fill-in performance where he didn't do too much against an awful team. Yeah, just just awful. And let's not it was forget tight for a while. <laughs> That's, that's what I was going to say. Let's not, let's not forget the first half as we uh, as we look back on that performance uh, from Brett Rippon. That was one of the most, I mean, I used the word atrocity. It was a football atrocity. That's what I was thinking. That's how I was feeling going into halftime. And thankfully, they turned the ship around. So give them credit for that. Uh, by the way, real quick, shout out to Big Earn in the house. Earn always with us. Good to see you, bro. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Also, uh, Michael Ronquillo, who deserves an answer here. Michael's with us every single night. Scott, they're uh, they're going to have to decide on this for Jerry. 
his fifth year option uh, before whatever it is in March. Should they? I think they will pick it up, but what say you? Oh, talking about, you know, contributing at the beginning, after a month of the season, my answer was firmly in the hell no. Right. Um, but, you know, after this last month, I think it's worth the risk. It'd be about $15 million to pick that up. And seeing what wide receivers can do as far as what they're getting paid and what you can trade for them, that having that as an asset, even if it's to move him, I think it's I think it's it's it would be worth it. I think I would probably at this point pick up that option and I would put his name on the trading block. Uh doesn't mean I'd trade him, but I'd I'd let people know, hey, he's available. Make me an offer. Because it is hard to pay three receivers north of ten million per year when your offense sucks, right? Like if you're not getting production out of these guys, <laughs> what's the point of paying these dudes? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and like I said, they they to me, I've I've said it a zillion times. It's hard for me to evaluate the offense when the offensive line is so poor. Yep. You know, I mean, it's like, what about Hackett's play calling? I don't know because right now Russ is on his back again. Uh, what about the running scheme? Beats me. This guy's getting hit in the backfield. I don't. I let's let's address that, and then I have a better idea where my other problems are. I used like you know a troubleshooting analogy before. It's like my refrigerator is not cold. What am I going to? Am I going to check the Freon in the back and take off the back panel first? Hell no! I'm going to check and see if there if it's getting power. Okay, well the circuit breaker's blown. If the circuit breaker's blown. It doesn't matter what else is going on with my refrigerator right now. This team's circuit That's breaker's right. blown. That's the right. The offensive line ain't working. James, number three tonight, bro. You're on a roll. We appreciate you. He says when Russ had beast mode. That's Marshawn Lynch, y'all. He was unstoppable. Denver needs another Terrell Davis in the backfield, and then Russ will prevail. I know that's questionable with any quarterback, yet with Russ, we know it's the case. Run, run, run. Um, yeah, I mean, John Elway didn't become back-to-back -back world champion John Elway until he had Terrell Davis, right? He had three swings at the plate uh, at the Super Bowl, and uh, for a lot of different reasons. We don't need to get into it, but once he got TD, People associate the success, Scott, that Elway ultimately had late in his career with the arrival of Terrell Davis, and it's understandable because that's definitely part of the calculus, but the key there was Mike Shanahan arriving in 1995. That's what the ultimate difference was for Elway, ending his career, punctuating that Hall of Fame career with two Super Bowl wins. But as it relates to Russ, what do you say here, Scott? Does he need to, Does Russell Wilson need a beast mode caliber running back to uh, make hay? No, I don't think you need a beast mode caliber running back, but you need a competent running game and competent offensive line. I kind of just went off on the tangent on this thing. You know, you want to talk about Terrell Davis, but Alex Gibbs in that running game, Terrell Davis had just happened to be the first of that group. So he gets, I mean, he was, he was great. Don't get me wrong. Yep. All thing. Alex Gibbs and the Denver Broncos have as much to do about devaluing the running back position in the NFL as anybody <laughs> in the history of this game. True. They're just plugging guys in. TD was first. So we didn't really know at the time that, hey, I, I can get a former Marine walk-on and throw him in and he's going to go for 1,500 yards. And 15 touchdowns. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know that yet. So when he's dropping, you know, 2,000 yards and playing well, everybody's mind is blown. Um, so, no, it, it, it starts with the offensive line. Uh, the, the offensive line helps make Terrell Davis – and a balanced attack with a running game and a competent offensive line makes every quarterback 
look better. So let's start with the offensive line, guys. And again, it's not that expensive to go out and improve your interior line. I can use middle round picks. I can use I can use this button to ban the spammer that just yeah, came. Yeah, but I just got it. I got it. I got okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully we don't ban anybody a mistake when the chat jumps, but I can yeah. use middle round picks. Three, four dollars. You know, one of the questions we got was about McManus. We talked about that last night. Two and a half million dollars buys you a pretty good reserve guard. You know, I can bring in some competition. So yeah. James, talk to me about OL, and then we'll talk about running backs and, and the improvement of the passing game. And by the way, James, you've been fire today. Send us a little email. We'll we'll shoot you out a t-shirt as a as a thank you for your support tonight, my friend. On a relatively kind of innocuous, quiet Tuesday night, y'all get surprised with the Chad and Scott show. Uh, so we're grateful to have. <laughs> Sorry, we're have not better looking. Indeed, um, but we are at about forty-five minutes, guys. So we're we're on the home stretch of tonight's show. So any burning topics, questions, get them in the chat. We'll do the best we can uh, to get to them. But there was a really good article on this topic <clears throat> uh, that Bob put up. And by the way, Bob Morris. He does this for every position, and it's really funny when the article comes out that, hey, here's 15 running backs that Broncos could look at to help kind of hedge against Javante Williams next year. He's going to do that for every position. In fact, sitting in our system right now is his next installment on offensive tackle, and people start tripping like, we don't need the running back. We've got Javante. We've got options. We could keep Marlon Mack. We could keep – no. But the point is here, the Broncos need to – churn the running back stable a little bit because you don't know what you have with Javante uh, as far as the injury goes. Is there anyone you like, Scott, as a potential, a known commodity that people would know uh, as a potential, hey, let's throw a few bucks at him. Let's not go crazy and Melvin Gordon, two years, 16 million, but let's throw a few bucks at him, get him here as a nice little hedge in case Javante does not back bounce back to the same level. That's what it might cost if you were to go get Josh Jacobs. Uh, was somewhere in that in that neighborhood. Um, I'm gonna, you know, when when someone's flashing red, I'm like a bull. I I, I lose Get all it. focus and have to have to just go right to Gary Leeds Palmer here. GLP, look look at Gary coming in huge for us. He says Merry Christmas, Chad Scott and Broncos country. That's him and me and all y'all. So thank you very much, Gary. May we all celebrate with a Merry Christmas win. Absolutely, Amen. Christmas Day. Hope you are doing well for sure. Um. Josh Jacobs to me at 24 year old is one of those guys. Um, I've really come around to the, I can get running backs in the draft in the lower yeah. rounds. I mean, I, I see, I think I put it in the chat last night, trying to give you guys some notes, like the top five rookie running backs were like fifth, fourth, first, mm-hmm. seventh, yeah. third in the league in rushing in the, in the NFL, as far as where they were picked and uh, you know, watching Tyler Algier and the Atlanta Falcons, the way he runs a ball and knowing that he was in the fifth round, it's good scouting. You know, knowing that I was able to pick up Latavius Murray off somebody else's practice squad in the middle of the freaking season, and he comes out and he runs for a buck fifty. Mm-hmm. I can get Marlon Mack and come in here and he's doing things that I just I don't think I need to worry too much about the running back position. Do I need to get a body? Yeah, I do. But there's so many talented 200 pound athletes out there that can carry the ball that I don't need to use premium resources to do it. I'd rather pour that into my offensive line, uh, yeah. frankly. By the way, just a, my own thank you. Gary, we love you, big dog. Hope you're doing well down there in Arizona. It was so fun hanging out with you at the meet and greet, big dog. Thank you for your generosity. I want to grab this 
number four. I'm starting to lose count. Good thing I, oh, I maintain golden it. sombrero, isn't it? We had the hat trick already. That's right. 2,000 rush yards, he says. Thank you, James. 2,000 rushing yards in one year is a small list of running backs. What is it, eight now, I think, all time? Uh, Terrell Davis wasn't just the first. He was an absolute badass, and he was. All Scott's trying to say is that he's the first in that line of Shanahan Gibbs plug-and-play guys that could go. TD was special. We're not yeah. taking that away from him. What I'm saying uh, is I don't need a 2,000. I don't need – you know, TD was special, but when you start thinking about the freaks of freaks in this game, you're not really thinking of Terrell Davis. I don't need yeah. – I don't need, you know, a prime Adrian Peterson. Uh, anyway, I'm. it doesn't matter. My okay. point was yeah. you need the offensive line to improve the running game and the passing game. With an improved running, with an improved offensive line, your current running backs will look considerably better, even if they're not Terrell Davis. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from Terrell Davis. No. By the way, I mean, as a tribute to that, that era, we're talking Olandis Gary, we're talking later on after uh, TD got hurt. We stumbled upon Mike Anderson, right, who Scott referenced. Uh, Clinton Portis, he was a second-round pick. But Can you, can you uh, imagine right now if you traded a Clinton Portis for a Pat Sertan? Can you imagine? Right. What what I mean, as people have figured out what this game has become and what it is. It, and that's and remember, exactly what remember where I'm from and where Terrell Davis is from. Terrell Davis yeah. earned it. Georgia. Yeah. He was he was underappreciated as a University of Georgia Bulldog, tailback yeah. you, running back you, and he earned it. And he was underappreciated coming out of college. He was underappreciated at Georgia. He's fully appreciated now. So any 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 slights he got, he has made up for that for sure. Yeah, he had to wait his turn, but it all his all his, those scales have been balanced. I'm thinking Quentin Griffin. I'm thinking Ruben Drones, Tatum Bell. The list goes on. TD was the first and the best. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Clayton, you're a prince, my dog. Every single night, with very few exceptions, uh, you're in here with us, and we appreciate you, my friend. It's always great to have you. A dedicated a member of our community and a supporter, by the way, on Facebook. Scott, I don't think there's any other uh, burning topics, but guys, if you have something, get it in the in the chat. But uh, I'm just I'm I'm just kind of reading through the the list of the running backs, you know, as, as they're yeah, talking yeah. about it, as, you know, and just back when the running back position was cool, right? You know, when when OJ did it in 14 games, and then, uh, um, you know, Barry Sanders was something else. Eric Dickerson. What's funny is if you look at Eric Dickerson, you look at these old running backs, their numbers, or the quarterbacks, and how loosey goosey they were with the ball, right? You know, it's like, go look at Eric Dickerson's fumble numbers. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. You're like, man, Melvin Gordon can't hunt on the ball. Eric Dickerson's probably got five times of fumbles. And per carry, it's significantly higher. I know, you know, they, they carry the ball 300 times a season. But it's uh, – and then, you know, quarterbacks, 15, 18, 20 interceptions was pretty common for a gunslinger. Now, you can't do that. Ball security has been so much more stressed. So, uh, it's – um. But, you know, the running back and the linebacker position, when I grew up, they were cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember uh, hanging my hat on the the statistic. I think it's still only this trio. I'd have to double-check Adrian Peterson, but I can remember when Clinton Portis became only the third running back in NFL history to rush for 1,500 yards in each of his first two seasons in the league, and then the Broncos traded him for champ. The other two names on that list – 
uh, Eric Dickerson, Edron James. Those are the only two at the time. And I'm pretty sure there hasn't been guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know some of you are, are historical stat uh, st statisticians. Uh, pardon me. But if there's anyone that might have chipped into that, it was Adrian Peterson. Uh, but Clinton Portis, I loved Clinton Portis, dude. He was one of my favorite players. And I'll be honest with you that as a young man, when they traded a uh, flashy skill player who coming off back-to-back -back Pro Bowls and 30 touchdowns in two seasons for Champ Bailey, I was, at first, I was crushed. I was like, not because I didn't like Champ, because I was bummed that Clinton Portis was going to be collecting his checks elsewhere. And then literally the first game of Champ Bailey's career as a Bronco, I was completely disabused of any doubts on that. <laughs> and that was that. Uh, yeah, like I said, so. if you tried to make that, you'd be fired on the spot if you tried something like that. James coming in, uh, just keeping the lights on for us tonight. He says, remember San Fran returning that kick and TD crushed him and made oh, yeah. his name. Japan. Tokyo, that was a uh, preseason game. Um, that's what helped get his foot in the door as far as, hey, the coaches are actually paying attention to him now and uh, accelerated his path to actually opening the season as a rookie sixth-round pick as RB1. And uh, Charlie Young coming in with some stars. Appreciate you, Charlie. He says, TD did it while he set out the fourth quarter, often due to us bloating teams True. out. Especially well, that 2,000-yard season. You're, uh, you're probably getting some nice yardage in the first three quarters then if you're just that much better than everybody else. Oh, yeah. So it, it balances itself out a little bit for sure. Yeah. Um, he was that that running game was nobody wanted to play Alex Gibbs. Nobody wanted to play against the Denver Broncos because you're worried as much about you know your knees and ankles as your assignment. Scott, uh, it was nasty. Who were some of the freaks? All right, like Barry Sanders to me, freak. You can never duplicate. Even a guy like um, Derrick Henry in his own right is a freak. No, no, not in his own right. You're selling him short. Derrick Henry is six three plus two hundred and forty pounds, and he was a state hundred meters champion. Yeah. Um, Adrian Peterson was in the class of 02. That was my first year in the field was 03. So I kind of missed him, but I saw him. He was that way. Um, and then when you want to go to Bo and Herschel, you know, the, I, I was, uh, Herschel was 1980. I was seven years old and I see him in the number 34. And then right after that comes Bo Jackson. So, and then he gets it's a high from seven to 12 years old. I'm seeing Herschel and Bo in the South wearing 34. And I just think that's what running backs look like. Yeah. You know, little did I know. I mean, Herschel outweighed three of his offensive linemen on his national championship team. You know, for our, he was Herschel Walker was Wilt Chamberlain, you mm -hmm. know, just, just so much more physically gifted that, that when we talk about freaks, I mean, you'd have to have a 350 pound, three, five, 40 guy, in today's game to be what Herschel Walker was in that game, oh, yeah. uh, you know, in 1980. So like I said, he was, he was bigger than three of his OL. Think about that. Indeed. Clayton. Thank you, bud. Reminding everybody, smash the like button, share it. Appreciate you. And then we got one more, by the way, Phil, we see you still a, fa a, a big fan of the guy that saved the Broncos franchise, Floyd little, AKA the franchise and RIP of course to, to Floyd little James last one. And then we're saying goodbye for tonight. Okay. He says, sorry to go off on TD, but that's my man. No, no need to apologize, brother. TD is a Hall of Famer. Defend it. Defend yeah, TD. I, just, I don't want you to make it think that it's so hard that you have to find a guy like Beast Mode or Terrell Davis in order to yeah. have a successful offense. It won't It won't be that hard. It won't be that hard. Those guys are rare. They're, they're, they're rare. One, um, of, uh, one of my prized possessions, 
I received from one of my friends and mentors of this business, Emmett Smith, a.k.a. Doc Bear. Out of the blue, I'm just going about my business, my life. Wife, hey, you got a package. Come check it out. I go check it out. And it's a it's a nice football, NFL football, silver Sharpie Floyd Little signature uh, from Doc Bear to, to Chad Jensen. And one of many, I mean, that's a small reason, but like Doc Bear is a legendary, one of the greatest people uh, to ever walk the earth. I mean, the heart on that dude, the brain on that dude, especially his football insight. But Floyd Little, yeah, I mean, kept kept the Broncos in Denver. He's in large reason why the Broncos uh, didn't leave at the time. Very, very small market, Denver, uh, and and go elsewhere. Was Floyd, Floyd Little kept people coming to the coming to these games and spending money at the at the uh, stadium, even though they were a losing club. So of course, Floyd Little, Hall of Famer, R.I.P. Two guys, and then I'm done. That were a little before my time. Obviously, Jim Brown, arguably the greatest player of all time. Yeah. And then Gail Sayers, who was ravaged by injury. And we and we talk a little bit about, you know, freak. It comes in different ways. The balance that Walter Payton had was weeble wobble. I mean, he he the 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 his ability to take a hit, stay on his feet, get back up and run like he was 260 pounds when he was 200. He, I mean, he's undersized, relatively speaking. And just you couldn't knock the guy over. You know, those are special time. Like I said, the running back position, uh, I grew up in the, in, in, in the heyday of that. It was, it was, it was different now plug and play, yep. <laughs> uh, right. don't spend premium resources on them. And, uh, you, you're and in, you just get, there's talented guys out there. You can still get Thurman Thomas was definitely really good. Yeah. Um, part of that, that Buffalo Braves <laughs> group that couldn't win a title. Yeah. <laughs> The and Bills, yes, I said man. Braves on purpose because the Braves, the Bills, and the Braves were kind of brothers in arms there for a yes. while. So the Braves that, got theirs. Maybe the Bills will this year. Especially in that era. You know what I mean? That time. But yeah, the Bills, I, one of my favorite America's game uh, productions that, that the NFL Films Over did was the missing rings on Buffalo Bills, which makes you realize the tragedy of just how close they were in that first one, especially against I'll the say, Giants. Yeah. Oh, they were the better team once. Yeah, for sure. One of those games, and in in the, the every time else, the the NFC was just better back then. The NFC NFC was riding whatever it was 13, 14 years, something like that. The Raiders were the last team to win a AFC team to win a Super Bowl uh, before the Broncos in ninety seven. Let's see, I was second grade, so if I say I was probably not, I was probably eighty two. Yeah, is either right 82 or 82 Raiders over the Redskins? No, Raiders over Eagles, if I remember right. They the Raiders beat the Redskins after they beat the Eagles. I don't know. Yeah, the Eagles Whoa. was first. The Eagles were first. That was 1980 or 81, and then they beat the Redskins uh, a couple either like two years later. Don't quote me, but I think two of the Raiders World Championships came pre. 80s. I think only one AFC team won a Super Bowl in the 80s. They, I think they had they had one in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because they there was a there was a a T-shirt for the Raiders out there. Now we're going way back. There was a T-shirt where it was like Team of the 70s or Team of the 60s. It was like the Steelers or the Cowboys or somebody. Right. Team of the 70s, and it had theirs, and then it had the Raiders, and it was across all decades. And it's like the team team of all time, and it was the Raiders. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, listen, we're going to we're going to get out of here. Thanks for being with us tonight. Don't forget to 
follow the appropriate accounts, especially on Twitter. Connect with us at Mile High Huddle. Give the Facebook page that streams all these shows on on uh, Facebook a follow. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. And then, of course, guys, go get some uh, merch at HuddleUpPod.com. We're going to eventually change the URL on that. But for now, it's HuddleUpPod.com. Get a hat, get a T-shirt, little something, something. And then also, guys, hey, even if you're not an Apple podcast listener, even if you're not an iPhone user per se, go find us on Apple Podcasts, Mile High Huddle podcast all the shows not just the mhh pod but building the broncos broncos for breakfast all of them as far as the rating is concerned falls under the mhh pod so go give us a a five-star review or any review for that matter but five stars we pull at the end of each month we raffle off a little something something to those who took the time to give us that five star because it helps us grow especially on that that platform apple Podcasts, and reach other broncos fans just like you and other than that you see it ticking below subscribe like share three small things organically you can do to help us out big time and then let's see tomorrow's wednesday no morning show uh mile high insiders wednesday night that'll be dope broncos for breakfast returns thursday right thursday morning yes, thursday it'll be nick, nick and me i think tomorrow is uh is thomas and uh luke yeah that'll be fun that'll be a fun little shakeup. so scott bro this has been fun can't wait to to do it again we'll of course see each other thursday night but this was fun, bro. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it. Appreciate you having me. And uh, thanks for the thanks for humoring us, everybody. While we're taking a walk down memory lane, uh, yeah. You know the, the the good times. You know the '80s weren't much for music, hair, or clothes, but we had some good <laughs> football teams. Yes, it was good for American hardcore. I will say that if you're into punk hey. rock, but but uh, I said Jay- the movies. The movies were legit. We we actually did action movies legit in the '80s, and then the coming no of age movies. You know, there's no CGI. They blew stuff up uh, no doubt. in the 80s. So, but uh, the, the 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 hair and the fashion and all that stuff and the, the, the popular music. Oh. It's been weird, <laughs> Scott. Like, I remember thinking in uh, high school and shortly thereafter, the styles and the fashion of the 80s would never return. They were so cheesy, so campy, so bizarre. No way. Dude, if you look at my 12-year-old daughter, the way she dresses, you would think it was 1986 right now. It and blows my mind. mullet coming back? Man, if there's anything I can say, my mullet didn't make it out of the 80s. You're like, Scott, did you yeah. have a mullet? I'm like, I was a soccer player in the 80s. Yes, <laughs> I had a mullet. The only more common places you'd see mullet is on a hockey rink. Yeah. Yes, I had a mullet. It didn't survive the 80s. I'm, I'm yeah. proud of that fact. All right, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, for Scott Kennedy, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.